Welcome to Living Word Bible Church, a lovely place. Well, it's good morning for me and it's welcome from him. Hello church, hello to the wider church. This is Living Word Bible Church at Hope Valley. We're glad you can all join us today. The reading today is found in Luke chapter 7, verse 16, and it's on page 1035 if you've got the church Bible there. Luke 7, commencing at verse 16. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. John's disciples told him all about these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. This is the word of the Lord. Good job, Peter. You can you can keep that. You can take it home if you like. Present, excuse me. Hey, you must be tall, Emma. Emma. I mean, that's really high to have that. Yeah, I'm struggling to see over it. There we go. Good morning, and. Uh, Welcome back again to Livingwood Bible Church. Is it that cold? Is it all right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sorry. We just turned the heating off. I hope you keep warm. You know, the thing to do is to keep moving. That's why I keep moving. It keeps you warm. It really does. Hey, part number five, the Lord's Prayer. Okay. What are we on to? Can anyone remember? It was in the, it was in the email. Who, can, who read the email? What, what are we on to? Can anyone remember? That was last week, Catherine. <laughs> you lose the job. Yes. Thy kingdom come. That's how I, that's how I memorize it at school. And uh, it's another one of those. The Lord's Prayer has got several lines that are quite difficult to get your head around. And so what is that about? Thy kingdom come. Well, we're going to look at it together. Let me just take you to what Pete read for us. Thanks, Pete, for reading so nicely there. I don't know if you've ever looked at that situation. The text is on the screen there. What is going going on there? How would you sum it up? If you were summing up what we're witnessing there, how would you sum that up? What's going on? What's happened? As a summing up statement, what would your headline be? Yeah, that would be the headline there. Let me give you another situation. Uh, Matthew 12, then 
a demon-possessed man is brought to Jesus. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man, and the man was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. And the crowd began to be astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? What's going on there? And Jesus tells us a bit later. We'll just move on to the next uh, there. Thank you. If I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then what has happened? It's in the text. If Jesus is driving out spirits, then what has happened? The kingdom has come. Can you see that? Yeah, it's why, uh, uh, have you ever wondered what they meant by the son of David is here? Who was David? The king. If the son of the king is here, he's bringing the kingdom. And so what we're witnessing Jesus' ministry is a demonstration of what God's kingdom looks like. This is what it would be like. I think that's what Jesus is doing in, in coming to earth. He's demonstrating, look, if I, had a, if I established my kingdom here on earth, this is how it would look. How would it look? What did it look like? How did it look? It looked like, if you, what, would happen to demon, what would happen to demons if Jesus had set up his kingdom on earth? They'd be gone. What would happen to illness if Jesus set up his kingdom on earth? What would happen to sin? What would happen to poverty? What would happen to loneliness, mental unwellness? What would happen to the freezing cold temperatures that we have to put up with in the winter, even in Australia? Can you see it? And I think this is what Jesus' ministry is doing. It's demonstrating for us what the kingdom looks like. That when, wherever, you know, someone has said, and I know it's exaggerated, but I think there's some truth to it, that that Jesus, during the ministry of Jesus, he put out of business physicians. Because, pardon? And <laughs> minutes everybody else. You're right, Graham. <laughs> yeah, we'll be the first person to lose our jobs when he comes. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And so that's what's going on. No war, no strife, no conflict. This is what God's kingdom is going to look like. And by kingdom, we mean no, there's a king, there's land, there's citizens, and the whole of Jesus' ministry is an exposure to the new world, to what it's like when Jesus is here, lives here, reigns here, his kingdom's here. And so it brings us on to the prayer, doesn't it? Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so look, I hardly need to preach today's sermon, do I? Because what is that a cry for? When we're praying, your kingdom come, what are we praying? Well, I'm giving you the sermon before I've started it. Ten minutes in, I've just started it. <laughs> what are we praying? Yeah, we're praying for, oh yeah, Emma, I think we're praying for all of that, aren't we? Pardon? Yeah, we're praying for a world. When we pray, your kingdom come, we're praying 
that on this planet, because how does he finish? Your kingdom come where? Where do we want his kingdom to come? We're praying for God's kingdom to be established on this planet. Fully. Look, I think one thing as a provisor to everything I'm going to say today, we're not suggesting God is not reigning. We're not. But we're saying the full extent of their reign, the experiential elements of their reign, its full magnitude may be fully felt on our planet. We are asking for that. And so we're going to look at it under this setting. The Father's kingdom come, or the coming of his kingdom, is a cry for the fullness of God's kingdom reign to be experiential on earth. That is, that's what that prayer is. Again, I'm sorry, I keep telling you, I struggle with brevity. The Father's kingdom come is a cry for the fullness of God's kingdom reign, his kingdom reign, to be experiential on earth. And so I'm going to give you four, I'm going to break that down into four points just to make it uh, by size. First one, whenever we're praying that, and I've already hinted at it, we're praying eschatologically. We know eschatology is to do with the end. Okay, It's from the Greek to mean end. Okay, Whenever we're praying Jesus' prayer, it's an ultimate cry for, you've heard that term, Maranatha? It's from 1 Corinthians 16, it's in Revelation 2, it's there, 1 Corinthians 16, Come, O Lord, Revelation 22. Yes, I'm coming, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Whenever we say the Lord's Prayer, and I think Tegan already said to us a couple of weeks back, she says it every day. I won't ask for any numbers. Who's been saying the Lord's Prayer every day? (laughs) Good, good, don't stop. Do you know every time you pray, every time you pray, thy kingdom come, You're praying what? If it's eschatological, you're praying, come back, Jesus. Come back, Jesus. Come back. Come and put a throne here. Build a palace. Sit on it. Let your your kingship be felt in all its power. Give us a bit of what we saw when? No, not give us the fullness of what we saw when you were here. Come and reign and let us feel the gravity and the weight of that. But here's, here's the thing. Every time we pray it, so we pray for all of that. We pray for Jesus to come back, for his kingdom to be here, for him to reign. Which means that that's all the positives. We want Jesus to come and reign, don't we? What does that mean if Jesus comes back? Today, what does that mean? Beyond the wonder of his reign, what does that mean for me? What does it mean for your grandkids? It means, it means the ushering in of eternity. And here's the question, here's the question. I mean, look, I, I, this one isn't in my notes, so I'll read it from you from Matthew 24. Okay, last time I tried to turn to a passage in the Bible in the middle of a sermon, it took me 15 minutes, and no, I don't have my glasses with me, and yes, I should carry them, and why doesn't he do it? Who knows? Okay. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour the Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the the house 
had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have left it, let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Every time I'm praying the Lord's Prayer, what, is, what should he do to me? Every time I say those words, thy kingdom come, what impact will it have, will it have on me? Should it have on me? Well, after today at least, I hope. Challenged the way I'm living for Jesus. Because I'm praying, and it's gibberish, thy kingdom come. Here, let me change it into English for you. I'm praying, Jesus, come back to earth for good. And when I'm praying that, I've got to ask myself, what if it what if he did? Right now, what if he comes back around in the middle of my sermon? Praise God. Yeah, you're saying that. But he but but Lorraine, can I say something? But you're now assuming, I hope rightfully, that you're ready to meet him. Am I ready right this moment to meet Jesus? Do you know what, Lorraine? I'm not quite so enthusiastic. Because I think there's a few things in my life I've got to do with straightening out. None of us are perfect. No. So when you come to say it, we'll all have issues. So. We will, Lorraine. And, and here's the thing. And here's the thing. 2 Corinthians 5. What does he say? We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ too. And so it does matter. It does matter. We will give an account. Every time we pray Jesus' prayer, thy kingdom come, it's a challenge. I will give an account for how. And here's the thing, this is how serious he gets, this prayer. And I, get, this is why, I think this is why I'm doing it so slowly, because there's so much we're missing this prayer. It means my kids, your grandkids, yours, and yours, your siblings, your wife, may not be ready for Jesus to come today. And so every time we pray, thy kingdom come, we know that if Jesus came right then, members of our family may be banished eternally. Can you see the gravity of the prayer? Hey, when he said that line, oh, I carry such weight. Oh, it'll be great when it does come. Of course, it will be for us. Hopefully, if our faith is authentic and, we, and if we believe in Jesus, he promises eternal life. And it may be great for us. But what about my, my kids? My brother. My sister. As things stand today, I know we won't be great for them. And so let's pray the prayer, capturing something of the gravity 
of what's, what's there. But positively, it's, it's eschatological. It's, it's all our dreams come true. Finally, ultimately, vindication. Then they'll know we were right. You know, my family think I'm a dunce. Do we use that word here? Okay. I must be a dunce to fall for this religion. Vindication is a real last. You know, I'm not so stupid. You know. But it's not the kind of vindication I really want. But we want Jesus' kingdom come. So look, so it's eschatological. Secondly, it's revelatory. Ever been to a funeral? Of course we have. How do you feel? What's going through what's going through your mind when you're sitting at the funeral? Nice service. It's a good man. We're missing. I wonder what he left us in his will. Let me tell you how Jesus, what Jesus is like at funerals. And I'll tell you this. You wouldn't want to invite him to a funeral. Listen. When Mary re reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would, would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and in spirit and troubled. Wherever he laid him, come and see him. Jesus wept. He's deeply moved. And you may have heard me say this before. That, what does that sound like? And this is the importance of getting back to the original. Deeply moved. Okay, Jerry tells me he's got a sore ankle. Okay, no worse. He's got to have an amputation. I may be deeply moved. What does that mean? I'm... Yeah, I've got empathy. It's not what he means here. Do you know what this means? He is angry. He's deeply stirred to wrath. Why? I mean, next sentence, he's crying, for goodness sake. Why is he angry? This is a strong term for Jesus. He's wrathful here. Why? What's going on? This is why I say you don't want to invite him to a funeral. Yeah. Because this is his creation. This is Lazarus. This is what he made the world a place for people to live. Here's the man in his prime cut from his life. And, and look, this is why our, our theology of God is so unique and so powerful compared to all the systems in the world. Because we have a God who's been in our shoes, who's experienced it. In some way, you, you could argue, look, I'm not careful I would say this, up until the incarnation, God's empathy was somewhat distant. Look, this is, this is careful territory here, okay? In Jesus, that empathy is incarnational, isn't it? It's, 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 it's real. This is God in flesh encountering the impact and devastation 
and trauma and finality of death. And Jesus is angry. You see, we've got somewhat used to the reality of our lives. We mask it. How do we cope with death? You know how we cope with death? We mask it. We convince ourselves that that it's natural. I said that to you. I hate that term. I know that's a strong thing to say. I hate that term about death. Okay? We mask what death really is. We live with it. We mask what's going on. We go to a funeral and we think, we come away thinking, that was nice. When Jesus went to a funeral, there was... Well, when Jesus was at a funeral, two things happened. As far as, tell me if I'm wrong. When Jesus is at the funeral, only, well, I think only one thing ever happens when Jesus is at the funeral. What happens when Jesus is at the funeral? Apart from the fact that he gets angry, what is the only thing that you ever encounter with Jesus at the funeral? What is it? He leaves people, he brings them back to life. He never leaves it the way it is because there's something abnormal about it. And so the reason I say that the Lord's Prayer, Thy Kingdom Come, is revelatory because it's reminding us there's something wrong. We live in this world and it's all hush-hush. Nobody wants to acknowledge there's anything wrong. We dampen it down and we're so sophisticated medically that, that, that we can heal, cure so many diseases that, that we think we're almost God. Nobody wants to accept there's something wrong, but there's something terribly wrong with our world. God is absent, and in his absence, it's like someone has turned off the lights, and there's so much that's wrong with it. The Lord's Prayer is just reminding us, no, this is not... This is not normal. It's not normal. It's not normal to put your mom in a care home. The need for that. That is not a regular normal thing. I know we've conditioned ourselves to think it is, but it's abnormal. Look, Jesus' cross did defeat Satan. I don't, we don't want to miss that. It is our healing. Through his stripes, we are healed. But Jesus' cross... Oh, I've got to be careful how I say this too. Didn't quite finish. It hasn't quite finished the task, has it? Meaning, Jesus hasn't... The mopping up hasn't occurred. Let me give you an example from World War II. You may know something about the Normandy landings from Dover... Uh, across to Normandy in France. It's just an hour's journey, roughly. On the 6th of June, 1944, the Allied forces, about 134,000 people, uh, troops, landed on the beaches of Normandy over a stretch of beach of about 50 miles wide. It was the British, uh, Britain and the Allies, Commonwealth Allies in America. It was the greatest military uh, sea-bearing I, can't, I need Charlie. I'm looking for some military language here. Okay, landing operation in the history of warfare. Operation Overlord, later named Operation Neptune. It was the biggest invasion of an enemy territory built by that time. Germany were in control in France, uh, in the history of the world. 
Ich muss dich unterdrücken. Wo? At that moment, Hitler was defeated. June the 6th, 1944. It's impossible. And so what happened? Did we, if you read the reports, if you read history beyond the 6th of June, do you read reports of, 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 a, of a surrendering of forces and, and a cessation of war and a clearing up and a truce? What do you hear beyond 6th of June, 1944? Do you know, do you know what? The worst, some of the worst battles of the entire war. After he was defeated. And I think the cross, look, you can't compare it, but, but it's, it's like that. What we're saying, the cross defeats Satan. It, it wounds him mortally. But the mopping up operation is continuing. And the effects of his reign are echoing and petering out, as it were, but they're nevertheless echoing. I think what we're experiencing in our world today, friends, is if you like, the smoke of a fire. What happens when you put out a fire? The smoke of a fire that's been snuffed out. It still smells, you still feel it, it still stings your eyes. And so the Lord's Prayer, Thy Kingdom Come, is revelatory in this sense because it's reminding us that though our enemy is defeated, he still, his presence lingers in our world. There's still death, there's still illness, there's still chaos, there's still war, there's still fighting, there's still trouble. And so the prayer is, God, finish off what you started. Clear up what's left. Bring a final end. The second death, Revelation, is the final end when he'll be cast into the lake of burning sulfur. God, do that now. Because we, we still feel his presence in our world, in our lives, in our circumstances, in our places of work, in our families, in, in our education facilities. We feel his ongoing presence in our world. Come, oh God, and put an end because... because this world is not right. It's wrong. It's all wrong. It's broken. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It's next. It's inspirational. Every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, it should restore hope, inspire, give us a lift. Look, it's a t if, if, if we're honest, the world around it, the world that we live in, it's sapping. It's wearying. It's draining. All the evil and the negativity, and it just kills all hope. In fact, we've become so conditioned to it, if we're honest. Hey, how many of us here? are realistically, actively hoping and living and looking forward to Jesus' return. I think we're lost. The situation around us is so dual and dire. I think if we're honest, we can't even really imagine of a better world. It almost seems like kids' stuff, doesn't it? 
Because this is the only reality we know, and we got so used to it. And I don't think we help ourselves by letting the world condition our thinking, by letting the world shape the, 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 the doer outlook that he wants to create for himself. Look, I'm sure we all keep up with the news, don't we? But you know, I think I said this to you before. Hey, you know you restrict your kids on how much technology time they can have? Okay, here's one for you, for adults. Restrict how much you watch the news. Restrict how many newspapers you read. Restrict how, much, how many minutes. Give yourself a minute, a day. Don't watch the stuff. Please, switch it off. It's a terrible thing to watch. Let me tell you, what is 95% of news reporting? Exactly. What is that doing to your psyche, mate? What is that doing to your brain? What happens when you switch off the news? Do you know, this is absolute truth. I was around Catherine's house the other day, and she was watching the news. I think it was on something. Well, no, I was telling Catherine it was on when I was at the surgery or somewhere. And we were looking to rent a place. This is when I was looking for a rental a few weeks ago in a particular suburb in one of the suburbs of Adelaide. Okay? And I'd got, we got a viewing and booked up. And I was quite excited about this place because it was cheap. I get excited when things are cheap. And it looked okay. It was on the news. Someone just got killed there or something. What am I now thinking? What are, you know, what's, what's happened to my mindset about that rental now? What am I thinking? Maybe that's not the one for us. That's a bad suburb. They're all bad people that live there. You don't want to park your car in that suburb. Can you see what it's doing to me? It's terrible. It's terrible. Switch it off. And it's not just the news. Movies, soaps. Do you know why Brits love neighbours? Seriously, you haven't seen EastEnders, have you? Yeah? I tell you, it's enough to want to... It's all... I've, ne I've never seen so much bad stuff happen to one community. Really. And it's all filmed with this gloomy, dull... Because it's, it's obviously got a lot of clouds out there. It's why we love neighbours. Because it's bright and people are happy and they go to the beach and they have fun and they fall in love. Hey, expose yourself to good things. And you know, every time you pray, thy kingdom come, you're doing that. You're reminding yourself, there's a kingdom to come, a bright place like Australia, okay, where people are happy instead of down in the you know, doldrums. Hey, look at what Colossians says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And a good dose of the Lord's prayer does that for us. Seriously, guys, don't do it. Here's a challenge for you. From now to next Sunday, don't put the news on for one moment. And do you know, you know what I can tell you? What a bad movie. And what I can tell you, I do that often. I don't think it's harmed me in the slightest. Who cares? I don't think it's done me the, the slightest harm missing the, the news for seven days. I don't feel any poorer for it. In fact, I'm probably meant better mentally. 
Knock it off, guys. And expose yourself. Here's what Paul says, Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or trustworthy, switch that on instead. You want to watch something? Put on something really positive. You want to watch a movie? Put on something that will give you a lift. I don't even know what that is. See, this is what happens when you don't, when you don't put the news on, okay? No, I don't watch TV enough. Okay, uh, look, I watch movies, so it's not as though I don't watch stuff. Yeah, it's such a challenge to me. What movies are you watching, Montez? Are these movies leaving you psychologically depressed? Yeah, that's right. Watch something like that. <laughs> that's the great thing about having kids. You do watch stuff like that, or grandkids. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Friends, I think what Paul is saying, it's really important that we expose ourselves to positive things. And the Lord's Prayer is that. Every time we pray, Thy kingdom come, you're doing it, you're thinking... Wow, a kingdom, God's reigning and there's no illness and there's a great situation and we all get on well and everything's wonderful. What a world. You are conditioning your mind to positive things. It's inspirational and the final one, the final one. It's mobilizing. It's mobilizing. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. You see, this is, if we read it correctly, we're not just Praying for God's kingdom to come for Jesus to return and establish heaven on earth. We are, we are, we are, what's the word I'm looking for? Getting ourselves, I can't think of the words, so I'll do it long-winded. Getting ourselves involved in it, okay? We, we're becoming complicit in it, aren't we? When we pray, you can't just pray Lord, your kingdom come and just carry on the same. You have to live, act, conduct yourself in a manner that's bringing God's kingdom into, into people's lives, into people's situations, into the world. So it looks twofold. Number one, whenever we pray that prayer, we're, we're to do it. I'll get a sentence right. We're to be active in preparing for the return of the king. We've kind of touched on this already, haven't we? But if we're praying, Lord, your kingdom come, then the, the challenge is, am I living in such a way as to meet my maker? And B, am I extending his kingdom through gospel ministry? Listen to this in Matthew 25. Then the man who would receive the one talent, you know the story, says, Master, he came to the master, he goes, I was afraid I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here it is, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and I gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. And throw that worthless tax collector outside into the darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. What's Jesus' response? And this is a picture of Jesus and us. 
to the servant, to the Christian, who is wasting his life on himself, on nothing. And this is, look, I'm going to say, and I'm going to say this with some caution. This is a picture of someone who claims to be a believer now. What's Jesus saying about those of us who claim to be believers but are not investing our life in the kingdom? Someone answer me. What, what is he saying? They're not going to heaven. Someone who professes to believe in Jesus but isn't investing their life in the kingdom is <coughs> not a Christian. Okay, we have to hear that because Jesus is saying it. The Lord's Prayer reminds me every day when I say thy kingdom come that I'm to be involved in the extension of God's kingdom that this isn't my life. Where did I get it from? When I was born, I don't know about you, but I was born naked. And do you know how much I owned? Nothing. <laughs> well, well, apart from the, apart from the, the, the obvious. <laughs> no, but Lorraine, Lorraine, there's <laughs> absolute truth to that, isn't it? Talk about the Great Reset. Seriously. Hey, hey. You know, a mark of my conversion is that I have some passion for the kingdom. And so the question we're asking is, I'm not saying... Me, I'm just, as a, as me in the plural sense here, you know, mark of our conversion is that we're passionate for the kingdom. Look, I've got to think we've got to be asking ourselves these questions. Am I making a difference for Jesus in my community? Am I bringing his kingdom into my community, into where I live, into where I work, into my church? Am I bringing Jesus' kingdom there? In my finances. This is one of the things that nobody likes to preach. But I've got an excuse here. Is the way that I'm investing my money. What's he saying about my value of the kingdom? Do you know the world out there will think we are out of our minds if they really knew that we give generally as a point of scripture, as a teaching of scripture, 10% of our incomes to the kingdom of God. Do you know, if, they, if people knew that out there, they'd think we're mad. But do we? Are we mad? You see, that prayer, thy kingdom come, must challenge what I do with my money, what I do with my time, what I do with my gifts, what impact I, I make, I endeavour to make 
everywhere I go. Otherwise, we're condemning ourselves every time we pray it. Because when it says we'll stand before God to give an account, every one of us, Jesus would remind us of the prayer. He says, you prayed. And yet your life made so little. Look, I can't say made impact because none of us can. I'm a pastor of a small church. Impact's wrong word. I don't, think we can, I don't think we can sum up how useful we are to the kingdom by impact. Yeah, so forget that word. Uh, lives have been not summed up by the impact we've had. And I was saying, have I got time to say No, I'm, I'm time's up, so I won't say anything more. But the effort we're putting into the kingdom. How would Jesus sum up when we stand before him to give an account of our lives of the effort? Because we can't success and fruitfulness, we can't control, can we? But the effort we can. How would Jesus judge the effort, the heart, the passion we're putting into the kingdom? The seeds we're sowing. Praying your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven is mobilizing. It's eschatological, it's revelatory, it's inspirational. It's mobilizing. Next time we pray it, may it do something in us perhaps it's never done before. Or, hopefully, may it do in us more of what we're already doing for his glory. Revelation 22, I'll finish with this. He who testifies of these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus, come. That's what you're praying. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Every time you pray, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Living Word Bible Church. Teaching the Bible verse by verse.